Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And today, I am not actually joined by my co-host because I will be interviewing my co-host. So I think as a listener, you've heard a lot from other people. You've heard portions of our story of maybe how we've met or where we've come from or some significant events in our life and obviously our passion about young adult ministry. But we're going to kind of flip things around today and I'm going to be interviewing Josiah Keneally, who is usually the co-host of this and obviously my husband. But we just want to hear from him. And Josiah, I'm just going to have you share your story right off the bat of maybe starting off where did your passion for young adult ministry come into play? Um, and what age were you kind of build that picture for us? Can you just go there for a second? For sure. This is kind of like a fun one-off episode, like a bonus episode, because I love the conversations. I love usually asking challenging questions and throwing the curveballs. Mm-hmm. So I'll do my best to stand in and, uh, and just see, see what comes to be of this. But, you know, you had asked my story, Mike, uh, First of all, thanks for the opportunity to do this episode. This is your idea. And so this is fun. My story starts really, I was born Minneapolis, Minnesota, specifically Burnsville, Minnesota. My parents um, met in Bloomington at Bloomington Assembly of God Church. And they bought a home in Egan. I have an older sister and a younger sister. And so really raised in a first-generation Christian home where my, my parents had each found Jesus in a personal relationship as young adults themselves. And then they met on the Sunday my mom got water baptized mm-hmm. at Bloomington Assembly of God Church. Um, I'll come back to that church in a second. But, you know, I remember a defining moment was being four and a half, becoming a big brother. And once I had a younger sister, Um, Our family, my parents took us to a Billy Graham crusade at the Metrodome, which is now where U.S. Bank Stadium is, downtown Minneapolis. There's a giant like outreach event, Billy Graham event. And since then, Billy Graham has gone on to be with the Lord. But I was five. Billy Graham was 75. And I remember the message so clearly. I can hear the music. I can visualize the seats in the Metrodome going down across the third base side and Billy just said, if you can picture this, a 75-year-old somehow preaches the gospel and it connects with a five-year-old. And that was me. And I knew that God had a plan for my life. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make a lifelong decision to follow Jesus. And I knew that the first step was coming forward and giving my life to Christ. And he said, if you want to follow Jesus, now's your time. Just take a step of faith and, and follow him. And it was just a great life. Um, made that decision, grew up in school. Um, I think leadership has always been a part of my life, thinking of fourth grade, being asked to be a technology mentor when Apple computers came to our computer lab at Oak Ridge Elementary School. And Was that when they were still random colored? Remember when the yeah, colored ones yeah. came out? And there was this, well, everybody's going wild over them. And we had a computer <laughs> lab, but then the teachers didn't know how to use Macintosh apples. So they, they brought in a student who was me and said, you get to learn for an hour, just play around mm-hmm. and then teach your classmates what you learned. And the following year being um, asked to be a bus patrol, but not just the bus patrol, being the captain over the bus patrols and 
just teaching people how to hold the flag that says stop and being safe on and off the school bus and stuff. And so I've never asked for leadership, I don't think, in my life, but I think leadership has always been asked of me. And fast forward, um, a defining moment again, my uncle, uh, my mom's brother committed suicide, took his own life. When I was coming back from that bus patrol captain wow. camp, uh, leadership camp, and my cousin was at the camp, and our dad sat us down and said, hey, something's changed, and we're going to walk through this crisis as a family. And I just remember maybe experiencing anxiety for the first time, experiencing mm. what depression tasted like or smelled like, and, and getting to just process as a family grief and going through troubled times and hardship for the first time in fifth grade. And I think that that was a defining moment because I started experiencing tension headaches from anxiety and stress, being a perfectionist. And those lasted three years, debilitating pain every day. And um, went to a chiropractor, was healed one day mm -hmm. in a chiropractor's office. So I, I say those things to explain that from a young age, I've known Jesus to be savior, to be healer, to be leader, to be friend, to be Lord. And um, just been following him. And so, you know, fast forward to um, high school. I remember getting picked up the first quarter of high school. And my dad um, had picked my sister and I, my older sister was a senior in high school, myself as a freshman. And my, my dad had just said, something's different. My job got outsourced overseas and the company did a group layoff. And, and so I learned that Jesus was our provider mm -hmm. and wondered where, you know, what, what dreams are going to be possible, what dreams are going to be maybe delayed or go into dormancy or even die. And so um, that's when I got a part-time job, became a leader at that part-time job, ended up setting a goal of going to college, ended up graduating from college debt-free, um, found my dream job was going to be to be a young adult pastor. I'll go back into that calling in a second, but just to lead to where we are today, um, got hired on staff at Cedar Valley Church, which used to be called Bloomington Assembly of God. Right. Met you there. Right. So my parents met at that church. We met at that church. Um, I was dedicated as an infant at that church, raised youth leader, intern, volunteer staff. And so I guess that leads into, you know, a vision that I, I wanted in college to give my life to a cause that counted and to live for mm -hmm. something that was worth dying for. And I know I'm getting long-winded in my own story, but just trying to share the, the high points and the low points along the way. And I just remember reading the book of Ecclesiastes, having a dorm dream and a clear vision, black and white from God, understanding that he was calling me to reach thousands of young adults for Christ by the year 2020. And so that was in 2012. I got hired at Cedar Valley Church to be a young adult pastor in 2013 when I graduated from college. And from there, spent six years till 2018. We had, you and I got married in 2017. Right. Yep. We talked about that on this show, who are we in marriage? And in the second year, who are we in ministry? We right. started doing uh, campus ministry, Chi Alpha at Normandale Community College. Right. And, um, you know, now 2020, fast forward, we're uh, parents for the first time and 14 days in yeah so so brand new fresh baby parents if, if i can't say life's an adventure i don't know what i can say but yeah. that's that's a little bit of the story then 
That's awesome. Jess, Josiah, thank you so much for sharing. You, I think, let, not only me and obviously throughout the years, but you are letting the listener in right now, meaning that you have shared some extreme mile markers or defining moments in your life. And to recognize that no matter what type of leader we're in, with leadership that we're in, no matter what position or stewardship God is asking of us, none of us are perfect. We've all experienced yeah, totally. some types of highs, some types of lows, mm-hmm. from salvation to God calling you into leadership. Um, at a very young age, to having tension headaches, to experiencing tragedy and loss in a family, to, mm-hmm. you know, hearing God's calling to, you know, all those different things, experiencing perfectionism and stress and tension um, at a young age, and to understand that um, when you hand over everything to God, He can make a way when there seems to be no way. Yeah. And I think we've said that several times on this podcast. But just, I, you have some very specific things that you're passionate about, not only leadership, not only young adult ministry, but I just want to hone in on something that you started while you were taking your master's program um, down at North Central University as um, a leadership, is it leadership? What's it? Strategic Strategic leadership. Strategic leadership. Totally. And um, you had a passion about something and you were able to birth a dream out of one of your um, final projects, essentially. And I know that you are one that is a lifelong learner. If you don't know that as a listener, um, that's one thing that we really value in each totally. other and in leadership is that we are lifelong learners. Yeah. We are never too old to learn and never too young to teach. So we're always coming with open hands, open hearts. And Josiah, I want you to share with the listener, if you could, about what project was birthed out of your master's program and how that is hopefully impacting hundreds of individuals um, to this day. Probably, what, three years ago, last week, I believe it was, you launched this dream that became a literal reality and has been able to touch many young adults and obviously their parents so mm-hmm. why don't you just go there for a second with us for sure yeah i'll come back and talk about one other burden which was young adult ministry but as a young adult pastor and as a college pastor i had countless for like five years at the time i had so many people who came in on kind of the um, futon couch that was in my office at the time and They'd sit down as a young married couple with dreams of missions overseas, with dreams of ministry, with dreams of going in the marketplace, launching a business, or dreams of parenthood, and and coming in with, um, in a lot of cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans and in financial debt. And I learned as a college and young adult pastor who my story was graduating college debt-free. And it, it allowed me to, it enabled me to, pursue my dreams but I watched dreams be the biggest uh, debt really be the biggest killer of dreams in young people's lives so for years I'm getting all these students and they'd say things like oh man or their young adults are saying I wished we would have known if I knew then what I know now I would have done things differently right and um so I went to grad school and we had to pick a problem for our final capstone project to write on, to research, and to hopefully solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And burdens fuel my heart, my mind, my my dreams, really. And I just believe that student loans are one of the greatest crises in the world today that we live in economically. I mean, you talk about this. I learned that there was $1.6 trillion in student loans in America. And I don't think we understand fully how much that is. There's millionaires, there's billionaires, but there are no trillionaires. The entire gross GDP, like gross domestic 
product of the country, Canada, $1.6 trillion. The amount of Apple plus Amazon's total worth, $1.6 trillion. The recent COVID-19 economic relief stimulus package, just over $1.6 mm-hmm. trillion. Right. So that's the vastness, almost $1,200 per American or almost $2,000 per American, mm-hmm. which is just bonkers to see that 44 million Americans are carrying that type of a load of debt and it's destroying dreams. It's killing dreams. It's ruining the lives of young people before we have a chance. And as a pastor, as a spiritual leader and as a ministry leader, I want people to be able to respond to God's voice and I want God's best for people's lives. And part of that is their spiritual formation, their vocational formation, but also their financial health and well-being, like their mental health, emotional health, physical health, spiritual health, social health. Also that financial well-being is a key component. And so I researched that pretty in depth. Third, I think I did primary research. So you need like 850 surveys from 200 some universities. All these college students responded to, to find out, wow, there really is a problem. And Debtless was a book that I wrote to really share the story, share my story and share the statistics and the research findings. And so, yeah, Debtless is all about helping students take on less debt because we, we believe Less debt is better than more debt, and less debt means more dreams for God's kingdom. Right. So, Josiah, you actually took your personal experience, plugged it into a God-sized vision and dream that he had given you, or a burden, whatever verbiage you want to use there, and he also kind of gave you the direction of what to do, how to do it, to see young individuals change and experience the financial freedom that they can. Mm-hmm. So as a listener, whether they are a leader or they're, they're in the marketplace, um, just kind of tuning in and listening to understand that maybe they have not made wise financial decisions, whether they're a pastor, um, a missionary that's waiting to go on the field, but has to pay off those financial mm-hmm. um, mountains mm-hmm. before they can even get accepted and kind of move into the next. Right. But I'm going to ask you a question about this. Um, how do you know when it's a burden from God? Like, how did you know um, this was a passion of yours or a burden to step into the next? What would you say to somebody who's maybe wrestling with the financial problems themselves as a growing adult? Mm -hmm. We're talking 30 plus listening right now. Who's just like, you have no idea. I went to school for chiropractic. I'm in the whole 200 plus grand. I want to buy a house. I want to start a family. I want to be married. I want to have a baby. Like, what advice do you have for those people? And how how can they determine the God-sized burden and dream? of whatever God's downloaded in them. Yeah, I guess there's two parts to your question. The first part is how do you understand if a burden is from God? Yep. I think it doesn't leave, it doesn't lift, it doesn't, it doesn't lessen. So if you have a burden from God and you can't shake it, mm-hmm. it wakes you up at night, keeps you losing sleep and it wakes you up in the morning to wanna do something and it doesn't leave. I think sometimes you get a burden and then you go back home and it's lifted. It's like you, you carried another person's burden, but you helped them, you served them, you supported them and lifted. Mm-hmm. Like if it hasn't left yet, it doesn't leave, it, it hasn't lifted and it doesn't lessen, it increases. Chances are if it's a gigantic problem and you look at the lens of why has nobody done anything about this? Who's gonna change the world? Why is this problem a part of the world? 
then chances are, I just believe that if you have a dream in your heart, I believe that God's the dream giver. And I think it was David Wilkerson had this call to anguish. And he said that all true vision came from burden and all true burden came from anguish. So I think if you have anguish, God puts that in our heart to mm-hmm. motivate us intrinsically and extrinsically so that we can follow the call of Christ and make a difference and ultimately bring heaven here on earth as it is there. And, and then the second part of your question is like, okay, if you're struggling with finances mm-hmm. and maybe you have a lot of student loans, then the idea is to stop the bleeding. If you have debt, the, the first step is to stop taking out additional debt. It's like if your arm is bleeding, the first thing you do is tourniquet. Mm-hmm. You put a bandage on it. You, you stop blood flow for a second. You want to stop losing. Cash flow is kind of like financial blood flow. Right. And so you want to go to that extremity. And if the extremity is student loans, okay, slash the student loans, put a bandage on, stop the bleeding. And then I think you need to get aggressive. Maybe uh, maybe find additional streams of revenue and income to lower your expenses, but also to raise your income. That's two of the ways we win with money and finances. And so I think that anytime you can pay off that, mm-hmm. it's, it's your, your future self is going to thank you. And similarly, if, you, if you're listening and you're like, I haven't taken out student loans yet, I don't have debt, mm-hmm. keep it that way. Like Andy Stanley says, get out of bed as a young person and stay out of bed with purity. And then his other advice is get out of debt and stay out of debt. And I mm. think that purity is your passion, Micah. Right. And finances are one of mine. And now that we are anchored together and those are both two of our passions, um, financial stewardship and you know, New Testament Christian purity in terms of following Jesus. And I just think if you are thinking about student loans or you're a parent, how do we pay? Because the million dollar question is how do you graduate college debt-free? Because the answer is you can, Mm -hmm. first of all, if I can do it, you can do it. If it's your dream, if higher education should be part of your dream, you can do it with little to no debt. And I think the answer how how did I do it is I did two years at a community college and nationally we're seeing such a spike in community colleges, technical schools, and even a lot of community colleges now offer a four-year degree. I'd add on to that. I lived at home for two years or actually I lived at home exclusively throughout college. So usually there's two parts of paying for college tuition and then room and board and and, and food budget. Um, And if you can live at home or live in state and lower that amount of room and board, and I get it, a lot of people are like, well, I want the college experience. Okay, Um, I just happen to want the debt-free degree, maybe more than a quote-unquote experience because I think you can have it, anything can be an adventure. That's so true. So then you want as many people on your team as you can apply for grants through FAFSA. Everyone gets a free FAFSA. Do that as a family. That's the first tip. Second tip is apply for scholarships because one and two, you don't have to pay back grants. Two, you don't have to pay back scholarships. Um, Third thing, I worked four years of high school and four years of college, and that's how I cash flowed it. 
made a big difference. It really moved the needle. Fourth tip is savings and support from family. Maybe your parents can support some a little bit, maybe not at all, but it's worth having the conversation for parents and for students. And lastly, if you can do like PSEO, IB, AP, any type of dual credit from high school, that'll help you follow your dream of a debt-free degree. We didn't let me ask my question. You just rambled. Go ahead. I think you cheated on my sheet. I'm sorry. You're looking at my questions, aren't you? Oh my gosh. I was going to ask you, what advice would you give a high school or college student when it comes to money? Mm. Maybe not even just preparing for college. I'll I'll change the question. Maybe not even preparing for college and getting a debt-free degree, but learning how to manage. What does the Bible say about managing money wisely? Because I think as leaders and as parents, if we don't demonstrate how we manage our own money, our own finances, just like any other part of our life. How do we expect the people who follow us to first of all, respect us. Second of all, for us to even have an open, honest conversation. Many people are private about their Mm -hmm. finances. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about the future. They don't talk about the present. They're afraid to admit the mistakes that they've made. But Josiah, if you were in a room with a bunch of maybe parents of high Mm -hmm. schoolers Mm -hmm. or maybe that freshman year of college, Uh, What advice would you give them about money and how would you base that on the biblical principles that we can learn from Jesus? Because Jesus talked about money more than any other topic in in his lifetime, I should say, on earth, but throughout scripture that we've seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I made that question a little harder now, didn't I? That's that's a next level. You leveled up that question. I'm going to try to respond to it. (laughs) I'd start off by saying this. Right now, 2020, 40% of students say they have no idea how much they have in student loans right now. 40%, so I mean 60% has some idea. Yeah, 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 but 40%, four out of every 10 have no No idea. The swipe is the hype for them. They they know they have student loans, they just don't know how much. And, And the key here is because of anxiety, depression, and mental health, that 40% actually doesn't want to know Right. how much they have. Right. Usually it's right. a decision. And so if you don't know how much you have, you can't steward what you don't know you have. Right. So I think the, the, the first thing is get educated about getting educated. And maybe if you want to just talk broader, become a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to do, I think that learning is so much. How much does college cost and how much can you expect to pay if that's your angle at it? Um, if not, what do you want out of life? And what's, what's your dream? Because I think that if you can answer those questions, right. um, it's, it's going to help a whole lot. Like, right. man, I, I just think that if I could tell young people to learn now, your future self will thank you. Again, an Andy Stanley quote is, make better decisions and live life with fewer regrets. Right. That's our aim. And that's the goal of Christian stewardship of New Testament stewardship of following Jesus is we're, it doesn't belong to us. It's not about us. And we're just letting money come through our hands, but we're, we're just a vessel and we can bless others with it. We can be generous. And, and then I think that at the same time, we can really get crippled by debt and we can get, it can get out of hand. So I'd say that my advice to a young person would be if, you know, when I talk about your money, I'm really talking about your life. And Jesus talked about your life and money a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think I was in the boat more or less of, 
you know, both my parents, my mom has a two-year degree. My dad started a four-year degree, but didn't finish it. Right. So it was just super interesting becoming 18 years old and never taking a financial class. Like I didn't even take accounting when I was in high school. So when you get to college and you're applying for FAFSA and you're applying for student loans and student grants and Pell grants and Stafford loans and all these other terminology, what from principal to interest to what do all these things mean? I mean, I was 18 years old. I don't know what I don't know. And I didn't know how to ask those questions. And I didn't necessarily have parents who allowed me to walk alongside. It's mm-hmm. more like I was part of the helicopter parents. So mm-hmm. it's like my mom, well, we're going to sit down and finish your FAFSA. Me having the attitude of like, I don't even know what this is. Mm-hmm. So to be able to explain to your student, or if you're a student or young adult listening, to start asking questions. And one thing that I always ask, no matter what room I'm in, mm-hmm. I always say, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a pastor, whether it's somebody in the mission field, it doesn't matter. I always say, what should I be asking that I'm not? So I mean, good. we just had a baby 14 wow. days ago. And I'm just like, I, da- doctor goes, do you have any questions? I go, what should I be asking that I'm not? Yeah. And I think that's just a humbling question to ask. But if you are in financial um, crisis, or if you are an individual who doesn't understand or know how to steward the concept of money, yes, we know inflow or in and out in the flow of money, but to really understand the logistics and the terminology, I think totally. is so significant. So it was overwhelming for me to be 22 years old and be like, okay, here's principal. What does principal mean? What is interest rate? What should I pay off first? And mm-hmm. we are um, definitely fans of um, Dave Ram- yes. Ramsey on a lot of things. So Josiah, I just think about how overwhelming that can be for a first generation um, student to try to be led by yeah. a parent who's never been and doesn't know what they don't know. So even just surrounding themselves with people um, in your local school, yeah. um, people who can uh, career fairs, they yes. have all these different financial yes. people that have access to the students, students have access to them. But I remember being 18 years old and not knowing what to ask. Well, and you hit it on the head because 25% of current college students at universities and schools all across America, 25% of them are first-generation college students, even today. Wow. And so that's one out of every four students doesn't have a mom or dad who went and got a degree, doesn't have an older sibling who they can go to school off of. So you really need to learn how to ask the right questions or go into a teacher's office, a school counselor, a principal, maybe the admissions counselor or the financial aid office and just say, hey, I need help. I think of a school here in Bloomington Mm -hmm. that I've spoken at a lot of public schools, high schools to students and parents. And one of them in Bloomington, they have the local 4-H like volunteers Mm -hmm. come in to the computer lab in Bloomington at Kennedy High School and at Jefferson and parents who've never filled out a FAFSA can fill it out with community veteran community members because it's so easy it's so much easier and so much less overwhelming when somebody can walk you through it right and for the parent to be walked through it with the student in the room I think mm-hmm. the thing is a lot of parents do it for the student. And the student's right. like, I have no stinking clue. What's what's FAFSA? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, and that's crippling. <clears throat> so I think that's just an overwhelming <clears throat> statistic to recognize that one out of four yep. is the first. And has, yep. like, with, I, was, I was the guinea pig. I was yep. the older one. And then when it came to my sister, it was a lot easier for my parents to know what to do and what not they to do. They've been there before. So it's like, well, my finances after I graduate 
is my problem. Yep. And then my sister's is her problem. So I don't know the numbers of how that all evened out, but it's like you can learn properly the first time and bless your children or be blessed as a young adult. Heck, I want to walk in that blessing and do it right versus right. wondering why did I pick the most expensive school? Mm-hmm. What does this mean? What is tuition? What is out-of-state tuition? What do I qualify for or not qualify for? But Josiah, um, I just wanted to, what, what advice would you maybe give to the parent um, who who maybe is a veteran or maybe is not a veteran when it comes mm-hmm. to like the debt list? Would you go there? Like, what do you talk about in your book about debt list and taking on less um, student debt and less loans and less financial burden? Like, I remember like my parents spoke into that process and essentially made those decisions with me in the room, but not having me consider the cost. Yeah. Like, the cost on two different levels, the cost of not asking questions and then the cost of the financial, you know, situation I was going to be in after a four-year Christian private Benedictine university mm-hmm. out of North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'll start off by saying this, that let's talk millennials for a second. Let's do right? it. Yeah. Millennials have more student loans than any other generation on record. More student loans than anybody. And those are all of our friends that we're seeing. Their yep. dreams are being delayed. Absolutely. Yeah. So dreams are dying. Dreams are being delayed and destroyed. Futures are being absolutely destroyed before young people even have a chance to get out of the chute. Before they're 25 years old, they're absolutely. experiencing this frustration. Yeah. It's a lifelong decision. Yeah. And so by the time you're 18, the reason they call it adulting is you're now making permanent decisions with lifelong repercussions. Right. And so I just look at that for a second of looking at there, there's a lot of generations to go before millennials and there will be Gen Z and, and people to come after. Right. But here's the interesting thing. Generation of millennials has more student loans than any other generation. And that's, that's really a sticky situation. And they're now paying the price. They're now paying the principal and the interest off of their loans. And did you notice this before? This is not political, but do you notice that the first thing the federal government did, almost the first thing as soon as COVID-19 hit, they said, oh, student loans deferred for everyone, no interest for six months. Right. They realized that the, the largest generation in the workforce right now, boom, millennials. Right. And they realized the first thing, the frontline problem, they're not going to be able to, because you, you already paid for your degree. You already got your diploma right. or maybe you didn't, but you, it's, it's so backwards to get a degree up front and then pay for it later. Yeah, it's, it's, no so, it's so backwards. And so I think that's the magnitude of the issue that we have. And so now you're seeing a difference of the rise of online education, right. the rise of Terry Parkman calls it hacking your education. And right. students are not taking five years yep. to get a four-year degree. They're not taking four years to get a four-year degree. On average, it might be more like three to three and a half years to get a degree. And Gen Z is learning from the mistakes of their older siblings, as well as the news and the media and seeing, I don't want student loans. I want to slash student loans right. from the story, the narrative of right. my life. So, I mean... Well, we live in a world that people love to travel. Yes. They love to eat out. Yes. They would rather have roommates than live by themselves and spend thousands of dollars on rent. They're buying properties. Yep. They are 
uh, let's see here, what else are they doing? They have, but not bed and breakfast, what's that called? Airbnb. Airbnb, so they're buying properties and then renting them out for residual income. Totally. They are, I wanna say working the system is not the right verbiage because I don't think it's a negative thing. They are learning, like you said, from the mistakes of the millennials who do enjoy the same thing. We love to travel, um, but we also recognize that Gen Z is a very innovative. Yep. They're very innovative, they're very creative, mm -hmm. they're very much involved with social media and all those other proponents of you know, their financial decisions. So, go ahead. This is an undeveloped thought for a second, but let's talk black, red, and green for a second. When you look at profits and losses for anybody, a personal budget or a government or a university is really where I'm aiming. There's in the black, which is break even. Right. There's in the green, which is a profit margin. And there's red, and the red is a net loss. And so if you look at green is the goal, black is fine, red is a deficit of a, a warning, situation. Warning. Yep. And so it's almost like a stop sign, but green, black, and, and red for a second. And I look at, um, when you look at those, why has the cost of college continued to rise and rise beyond inflation? Mm. My hypothesis is this right here. It's an undeveloped thought, never talked about it anywhere before. But here's my thought. I think that if you're a college A, B, and C, how do you have your distinctive competency? It's like, well, we've got a better meal plan. We've got a nicer cafeteria. Our dorms are new and renovated. We've got right. a pool. We've got upgraded campus and facility. We've got more acres per student. We've got lower you know, student to teacher ratio. And so the competition becomes outdoing the other universities mm. and how, because then that drives the profit. Right. Because enrollment is the bottom line for a university. And so there's this cycle of cost of college and education, the economics of education, the cost of college keeps rising and rising, keeps going up and up. And so what's a student supposed to do? But I'm telling you, you can totally go to college if that should be your dream. To, right. get a, to get a degree and to slash student loans from your story. You can get a debt-free degree, and I'm just here to tell you I believe in you and encouraging you. And if you're a listener, um, thanks for sticking with us because this is your future, your life, your money. And the thing is, Josiah, that you are, a, you are the living proof of what you can mm -hmm. do. You can get a job. You can work throughout high school. You can work during college. And they even share that statistics, people who work during college actually get and have better grades. Spot on. They know how to manage Spot time. On. They know how to you know, manage a lot of different things that the person who does not have a full-time job or part-time job in college does not actually experience the same you know, mm -hmm. successes. Um, yeah, so you went to college. You paid everything off. Um, love that part of your story. Love that that has been a part of our story. Yeah. And Josiah, we've come to the part of the session. Do you have one more thought? Yeah. Can we talk about young adult ministry for a second? For you, it's 10 seconds. Let's get real here, <laughs> listeners. This episode isn't longer than other episodes. So I'm watching we had the a cup of coffee closely. Go ahead. Is that all right yeah, to go there? Absolutely. I was just thinking about, you had asked me about burden and I said I'd come back to it. So oh, I want to come back to it. And here's the thing about burden is young adult ministry is um, a huge burden because we see a missing generation and demographic in our churches. There's 384,000 churches in America and you see a missing link in generation. It's the 18 to 30 year olds. You've got packed nurseries in many and most churches. You've got large 
kids church in a lot of a lot of settings youth group is thriving youth ministry is thriving yeah. across america it's never been bigger or better and and more effective and then at the same time on the heels of that you've got young families up the wazoo you've got an aging population of the church and i saw recently that um it was it was like 45 percent of white evangelical churches are above the age of 60. wow and and i saw that was like a key um stat that was that was credible sourced and it was on twitter and it wasn't it, it came from a reliable source on twitter and uh somebody i follow and what's amazing about that is when you have an aging population of the church the church is one generation away from extinction it's so true. why is college ministry important? It's because people are important. Why is young adult ministry vital? Because salvation, the Great Commission, includes this next generation, which is, by the way, the now generation. And so I would just say, I remember being in high school, looking around the early service, which is at 8.30 a.m. at my church. Which no young adults are at. Right. That and is I your was, traditional I was 18 service. years old, but I went to the 11 o'clock service right. and Sunday school, you know, and just as a high school student, I looked around and it's like, where, where are, the where are all my people? And I get it because I, we had a large youth group and stuff, but it was like, where are the people who are 18 to 30? Right. And at the time I had had some people who were significant in my life walk away from their faith and away from the church. But then at the same time, we, our church had built a new youth center, a youth auditorium, and I wrote down the names of friends I wanted to see give their lives to Christ, and they all did, including my boss, including my friends from high school, including people I didn't even invite, but I prayed for. And so I think that was the burden, Micah, that I never talked about, but that was the burden of hearing Barnas, Barna Group that six out of 10 young adults are walking away from the faith who grew up in the church. Right. That's a situation. That's a God-sized calling. That's a God-sized stream. And then when God gave me a vision, black and white, of what a generation on their knees, raising their hands, worshiping the King and the Savior through the power of the Spirit, mm -hmm. I mean, that that is what drives me. And that's why I think young adult ministry is so incredible, so vital. And so I just celebrate that almost every week we hear of a few, not just one, but multiple new young adult ministries launching across Minnesota, across the Midwest, and across the U.S. to um, to really reach this next generation for Christ. And that's why we love talking about reaching young adults in our world today on this particular podcast. Yeah, we don't want to ever make it sound like young adults is the <clears throat> only no ministry Not that is important because we need we need the older generation pouring to us we need the older generation passing the torch and teaching us and we need to write, raise up this generation to then teach others and be taught so it's just a phenomenal um opportunity that we all get to experience together so josiah we've come to the portion of our episode where I could ask you five questions if you didn't cheat I don't know if you saw. I didn't cheat he's I didn't a fast look. reader so he might see these Okay, so question number one, Josiah, for our audience Bring to get it. to let's know go. you better. Five, five and five. Let's do it. Five. five alive. Hello. All right. Number one, what is your most foolish purchase? I know you like to talk about finances. Oh, my gosh. Tough. Oh, my gosh. Most foolish purchase. Don't you ever buyer's remorse? Like, you get the, you know, you get in line and you buy something you should have never bought, and you're like, what the heck? You know, 
Instagram ads have caught me a couple of times where I got a shirt that looked cool. And then it was like three sizes too small. It's called with a no <laughs> That's happened. But I think one of them, I have a best friend to this day, um, a couple of best friends, Brent Silkey and then Mike McDonald. And Mike and Mac and I went to North Central University at the same time. We both commuted. So neither of us had a meal plan. And so we almost five days a week for my entire first semester of college, we ate out in Dinky Town downtown Minneapolis at the U of M campus. And it was amazing. There's the best Chinese food in Minneapolis is called Shuang Cheng. There's also five guys just opened there. There was Jimmy John's, there was Chipotle, there was Annie's parlor. Oh my gosh, how can you forget that? And we just, we had a heyday eating out every day for lunch and then driving back to campus on a lunch break. And so I'd say for me to get to the end of the semester and then to do the math, and I had spent how many hundreds of dollars? $10 a day at a time eating out. So I'd say that at times, um, built a great friendship, made great memories, and there's dumber things you can do. But in your account. Yeah, definitely. All right, question number two. What are three words that describe you? Yeah, yeah. He's sweating, you guys. Man, I'm, I'm just trying to pick the right words, and that's the achiever in me. Okay. So number one is I am very driven and motivated with the achiever tendencies. I think number two is the encourager. I am a person who is going to encourage the people behind me in the line at Target to have a great day, as well as the cashier, as well as the supervisor who's walking by, anybody I see in the parking. I just love people and I love Jesus and I want them to live a life with a smile on their face. Third word, um, is somebody who wants to make the most out of every opportunity. So uh, I'm an investor, I'm an achiever, I'm an encourager, and I'm an investor, and I wanna steward things, uh, time, talent, treasure, opportunities, relationships for God's glory. All right, Josiah, question number three. What have you learned as a parent so far? Oh my 14 gosh. days in. I, I told Baby's s- fussing a little bit in the background if you can't hear her. We're, right we're going to get her. We're, we're going to be good parents, wrap up this and, and wrap her up too. Here's the deal. In, in two weeks of parenting, I feel like I've learned more than in two previous years of my life. So I've learned how much of a softie I am. This little girl, Aurora, she's got me wrapped around her little finger. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also learned God's love for us. I was changing Aurora the other night and I, I looked and she was fussing a little bit. I was like, baby girl, you have nothing to worry about. You're safe in your daddy's arms. And I realized, man, I'm down here on planet earth sometimes stressing out, fussing, getting stressed out, anxious, worked up. And God's up in heaven, holding the earth in his hands and he's saying, Josiah, son, you got nothing to worry about. You're safe in your father's arms. Right. That's so good. All right. Question number four. What do you want to share? One of your, this is our favorite question. So now you get to answer it. What is one of your most epic failures, whether it's leadership, ministry, um, whatever you want to say? Oh my gosh. I had zero prep for this. Uh, like I found out when we pressed play that we were doing this episode. Hey, so, but equal pressure. I made up these questions as we went on. Amazing. Hello. You're amazing. Gosh, we, um, got, we both are running rogue today. So the epic failure question, oh my gosh. I feel like for me, what it is, is there was a season in ministry where maybe numbers became the focus of mm. a growing ministry and the metrics of success for me. Sadly, 
I focused maybe too much on the numbers or people who weren't at an event or at a small group or at a you know, gathering worship service. And it's like, I measured my success as a leader in terms of was the room full or not. Wow. Yeah. And I think that that was a, a dangerous trap for me to be really encouraged and maybe confuse a full room with the move of God or the, the presence of the Holy Spirit versus, you know, if, if there was bad weather in Minnesota or just people, fewer people came, right. it's like, I think my failure was not always investing in the people who were there. It was like looking over their shoulders to see who, who might be coming in the doors. And so that's a process that I read a book called Anonymous. Mm by Dr. Alicia Britcholi. We interviewed her in season two to kick off that, that season and right. read everything she had ever written from the sacred slow to um, anonymous to 40 days of decrease. And my heart's prayer is the prayer of John the Baptist. Less of me, more of Jesus. Right. Less of me, more of Jesus. Less of Josiah, more of Jesus. And my concern has become a lot less with influence numerically and a lot more with impact spiritually and so I guess if I'm really heart level transparent and honest as Aurora makes a few or I'm feeding her right now mm -hmm. um, as, as she makes her podcast debut um, I think that was maybe a, a failure epic failure tendency because Mother Teresa says just start with one you know Jesus is all about the one and just be faithful and app only measure success with numbers. Right. I think that's a great reminder for every single listener. I think that it's a natural pressure we put on ourselves right. because I mean, we, we're, we, we get in this performance totally. thing. It's like the more people I have, the more successful I am. Right. And when you say less of me and more of God, that's what we realize, whoa, where have I been putting my time and my effort, my prayers? This is never a stage for me to perform on this is a mantle that god has asked me to step you know on and into and further his kingdom with so i think that's just a great check-in and reality check that i think every single leader i think is going to experience sometime in their life or need to constantly manage their entire life don't seek the approval of man and chase the number um but be ready to leave the 99 for the one you know and yeah. really overlook people in the pews and everything so great reminder josiah Okay, final question for our listeners and for you today, Josiah. If you could leave the listener with one word of advice, what would it be? Totally. You know, it'd probably be different on any given day, but here's what it is today. Seize the day. And the way, like Paul, who was Saul, writes it, is through the Holy Spirit who indwelled him to write that in Ephesians 5, 15. He says, make the most of every opportunity. And so I'm just talking to a group of college pastors, a group of young adult ministry leaders, a group of listeners who are hungry, humble, and have hustle. They're smart. They're talented. Make the most of every opportunity. John Piper, Dr. John Piper here in Minneapolis says it great. Don't waste your life. Mm -hmm. We want our lives to make much of God for the glory of Jesus through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to wish away the future. We don't want to waste this moment right. and we don't want to get caught up in the past. And so we want to make the most of every single opportunity 
whether that's a divine appointment, whether that's an interruption, whether that's, you know, spending time with your family, going on a date. Right. What is this day? Give us this day our daily bread. And I feel like part of that daily bread could even be like, what is God asking of me today right now? And so, man, I even get the opportunity to hold my daughter right now. It's unbelievable. It's so precious. And that's the opportunity I want to make the most of. So leaders out there, as Nick Nielsen says, God's doing more than you think he is. And you're doing better than you think you are. And it's just our joy to, to share encouragement with you. We, we're a resource. Feel free to reach out. But make the most of this day, this opportunity. Today's the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice. Let's be glad in it. Let's be faithful stewards and invest in the things of eternity. Well, I think he said it, everybody. Seize the day. Take every moment as it comes, whether it's stressful, enjoyable, beautiful, overwhelming, or Whatever the situation may be, God has the world in his hands. He has you and your situation in his hands, and he won't let you fall. So we just want to say thank you so much for listening. This is Micah and Josiah. Josiah's special um, edition, I should say. And then we have little Aurora with us right now. So we just want to thank you so much for listening. Thank you, young adult pastors. Stay tuned for what's to come. God bless, guys. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.